0: When we start a show, a really live show on Pro Cannabis Media on a Friday afternoon, and I know that my director Dan French is smiling going into the production. Hi, everybody, welcome to another edition of Green Rush Live, our regularly scheduled cannabis business talk show that we do every Friday afternoon here on the Pro Cannabis Media Network. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media. Always happy to have my pal, Josh Kincaid, as we go coast to coast, he's in Washington State, and I'm on the East Coast of, uh, in Massachusetts, and we're so happy to bring on a guy that I think a lot of people, anybody in the industry who doesn't know who George Jage is, is shouldn't be allowed in the industry. He's the founder of MJ BizCon and MJ Unpacked. George, thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Well, that's that's a very humbling introduction, Jimmy. It's always great to see you and Josh. Um, I was not the founder of MJ BizCon. Um, I took over when it was MMJ Business Daily, and they did a trade show at a racetrack and did run it for a couple of years. But uh, you know, that, people get confused because uh, I was the face of the the company and built it up. But thank you.
0: And by the way, that's the second time I've done that same thing because it's assumed it's 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 one of those like. Uh, In in law, they have de facto, and then they have, you know, the reality. And the reality is, George, you took it to a whole new level. That's another story. All right. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your humbleness and and everything. Let's talk about MJ Unpacked in New York uh, coming up in a few weeks. And how excited are you?
1: Oh, man, Uh, super excited. You know, I mean, building a trade show and and creating an event, and and it's really about, you know, creating a community. It takes a little bit of time. I mean, it was really only about 18 months ago that we launched our first event, and, um, everybody was texting me from Benzinga that uh, everybody's saying that the three most important shows in the industry are MJ Biz, MJ Impact, and Benzinga now and have really kind of separated themselves, I think, from a lot of the smaller shows that are are kind of servicing, you know, these state markets, um, you know, or going into early stage markets. Uh, but, you know, I, again, like I'm super excited, like you kind of have these catch fire moments, like when you finally convince people like, hey, we've created something really exceptional here and this is worth your time. Um, and win those you know, kind of minds and hearts over and everything else. and and it takes time. and and you know, we've got a great team of people. Um, obviously, you know, Wendy from my team, you know, well, my wife Kim, Morgan, Spencer, that work are working their asses off every day to make sure that this is the best one yet. Um, the timing, I think, couldn't be better. It's an event that obviously, you know, we curate the audience so that it's executive level decision makers that are licensed operators. So it's not a bunch of people looking for a job or kicking tires. And we also let accredited investors in. Um, but the time, you know, so it's the right show. It's the right place. It's the right audience, the right people in the room. Um, and uh, we couldn't be more excited. But thanks for asking, Jim. Is the bang gong going to be there? Uh, well, we actually uh, took over more space at the New York Hilton. So the exhibit halls are in the what they call the America's Hall. And there's two floors kind of mirrored on top of each other. So we actually have two gongs this year. Oh, two two gongs. Oh, my God. So there'll be a gong on each floor. The gong's going to definitely be going. Um, You know, we always try to throw some kind of unique things in there to kind of, you know, create a little bit of entertainment value. Um, Got a few other tricks up my sleeve, but we'll let the attendees see it when they get the show site.
0: There you go. Josh, I know you got a bunch of questions. I'm going to let you uh, take over for a few minutes here as I try to fight the nausea that I'm fighting right now. And and that's not yeah, because I that's not because in either of one of you I just don't feel well today. So go
2: ahead.
1: Cannabis is good for that, Jimmy. I yeah. I
0: uh, at 4.30. <laughs> go that's ahead, that's Charles.
2: actually where, where uh where Jimmy and I met was was there. So uh out in Vegas. Right? Um, one. Which kind of ties that all together because it is one of those shows that Will kind of um seems to to want to live. For a lot longer than some of the other ones, Canacon, for example, based in Seattle, not really relevant outside of Oklahoma. It seems like um, what we noticed early on with Canacon was a pay-to-play system at the speaker level. You don't really see that too much at the successful levels. So the top three shows you mention are about value, yeah. and I think you've, you've been able to do that, George, is offer value. It's kind of like that Gary V jab, jab, right hook. It just comes naturally if you if you provide value. There's a lot of things that started in Seattle that are no longer here that I wish were, um, but they were more about how do I make money? And it's like, no, you you have to offer value first and then the money should follow. And if you're only looking at money, you're not going to be around very long. And that, that equation unfortunately has played out way too often. And that I believe is your secret sauce and why the three of you being Ben Zing, MJ, unpacked and, uh, MJ BizCon are leading the pack and kind of differentiating yourself.
1: Yeah. And, and listen, I, you know, I'm not here to kind of put people down or anything else. And, 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 you know, I think each event kind of has their own kind of unique flair and and everything else. But yes, I mean, you know, this is something that I am very critical of other events that they're just in it to sell a booth and sell a ticket. I, they, I, I say that they're in the real estate business trying to sell a hundred square feet at a time you know, not really care. And I mean, you know, I built MJ BizCon and I, you know, I was hoping to, you know, take that to a different level at one point, but, you know, we parted ways, but I mean, you know, that show is that way. I I mean, you know, they just care, like they had 125 packaging companies at the show show. I mean, I highly, highly doubt that there was anybody in that organization that took the time to really assess, you know, is there enough buying power coming in, looking for packaging buyers that are coming to our show that would be able to create a good return on investment for them. And so, you know, we did kind of, you know, look at all the events out there. And I'm going to be honest, like we said, what sucks and what can we do different that would really resonate with people? We mail people's badges if they register early so they don't have to wait in line. I hate waiting in line. Jimmy hates waiting in line. Josh, you hate waiting in line. Um, You know, our sales team doesn't ever say, hey, do you want to buy a booth? They say, what are your goals? What's your objectives? Like, I need to understand that because I don't want to sell you a booth and then not be able to sell you another booth. It takes a long time to build a relationship in any industry and certainly in cannabis. So we want to be able to maintain those relationships that we have delivered them value. And my wife and I that founded the company, I mean, we've, you know, built other trade shows before it's always got to be customer value first. Like if you can't, if you create that value, you're going to create a very successful business and it can never be the other way around. If you go in it saying, how can I just, you know, get them to pay money? I mean, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody in specifically in the cannabis industry, but you know, I've seen all the tricks. I've been in the trade show industry for 30 years. You know, people will go out and, you know, give free boosts and speaking spots to these companies to make it seem like they have all the star players at their event, but none of them actually buy in because they're not paying for it. And sometimes they don't even show up. Um, It was years ago that there was an event out in California that had promoted Whoopi Goldberg was going to be speaking when she had a Whoopi in my line. And they actually never had her under contract. Um, I know because Whoopi was $150,000 that included buying out a full, full uh, uh, airplane for her to fly on because she doesn't like traveling with other people. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's important to understand what are the needs of the market at the moment. And, and, you know, we approach, you know, creating a trade event as a hospitality event and as a community event. And so, you know, we want this to live beyond that. And we're in the connection business. We're not in the real estate business. Like you guys connecting at our show, you know, makes me exceptionally happy because like, look at this, you guys are, you guys are collabing, you guys got this going on, um, you know it's amazing to see how those it's kind of like the butterfly flapping its wings, you know, creates a tornado down the road. You know, you never know how those connections are going to flourish and when we designed the event too, it was like, you know, you're not going to build a relationship walking down an aisle, but if we have a lot of soft seating and you feel like you can sit down and have a conversation with somebody and get to know them, build trust, you build a relationship, then you do business together. And it, yeah. it, it you can't do it if you if you, you know, online and virtual events or you know walking down an aisle and grabbing a squishy ball on a business card.
0: yeah hey I, I do want to mention uh, another trade show that is near and dear to my heart because it's in my region of New England and it's yeah. In Mark Shepard's done an amazing job over the Mark years is a
1: great great organizer I have a lot of respect for Mark he and I are good friends we talk often and and you know chat shop and um you know I, I uh, you know he's really built a, a, a big event I mean he's like uh, like like ourselves, we've gone out and done events that you know maybe haven't been as as great as we want. Mark, you know, has that New knee can in New England. It's I mean, it is the the event for the New England market. Period. Hands down, nobody can touch him. Um, he's gone out to like Reno years ago and and tried to do stuff in these other markets uh, to kind of expand his business. And I know that's tough because um, you got to start. You're really building another show, kind of like if you have a brand in in Washington and you want to go open one up in Oregon. You got to start from the bottom and build that tower up. Absolutely. Go ahead, Josh.
0: I know you get something. I gave him something else.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh I was going to just rip on uh, on the whole business uh, and networking and everything cuz I think that's also kind of what sets separates some people. Uh, MJ Bizcon, they they have the high times party and there's a lot of people uh especially, you know, just after the last MJ Bizcon where uh, a lot of people were putting out surveys asking why do you go? And the majority of people are like I go for the parties. Mm-hmm. So you're getting a totally different crowd than you would see at MJ Unpacked. Who, but that goes know, may- back to the
1: v- value comment you brought up before, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, right. So you got to understand like the, the economics too of the industry and the psychology of the industry. So all of the supply chain purchasing decisions start at the apex of the ladder, which is the cultivators, the brands, and the retailers. Any any of those companies that are exhibiting at the supply side shows like MJ BizCon need to have those people who are going to control the money being spent down into the ecosystem to create returns on investment. They lost control of their event in 2018, the parties, the suites, the private dinners became way more important. So the key decision makers go out to Vegas for MJ biz, but they don't really go to the show anymore. And that's, that's, you know, creating a, a, you know, a decreasing return on investment for a lot of the companies that spend money with them and they keep raising their prices. Yeah. Well, they're in a business. And and speaking of business, um, when you
0: when I get out and I actually talk to people, interview people on this show, other shows, um, I always hear the same thing. People who know there are people in the cannabis industry who know cannabis, and there are people in the cannabis industry that know business, but that cannabis business person is evolving. Now, George, you are one. I can tell you that you're definitely one. How do you see the actual business? Because you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there right now in the industry.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, fort- fortunately or unfortunately, I've had experience going through this before. I mean, you know, as far as me having that, you know, cannabis business experience, I mean, you know, that was when, you know, pretty much from when I was like 15 to like 21, where I had my herbal distribution business, right? Um, but, um, you know, I mean, it is important. I do see that kind of. Meritage where you need to bring together some people that understand it's, it's, it's not just the plant. You need to understand the science of the plant, but the culture of the community, right. And who are the customers and, and why are people choosing this, this, this is a lifestyle choice or as a medical choice. Um, and you do need somebody that knows how to run the business too. And, you know, keep the lights on. So it, it is important. I mean, it can be two different people that come together. Um, I run a business with my wife, um, there's a great book called, um, Oh, it actually I just finished, uh, it's called rocket fuel. And it talks about, you know, how you need to have, you don't want to marry somebody like yourself and you don't want to go into business like somebody yourself. You're, you're going to be looking in the mirror and you're going to be in an echo chamber every day. Right? right. So you need to have kind of, you know, multiple mindsets and perspectives to create successful enterprise. Um, you know, absolutely. And, um, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, no, it, it answers
0: it because we're in the middle of it. You know, you there's not going to be a day that we all wake up and it's go, the cannabis industry is going to be accepted. I don't care if it's you know, legalization involves lawyers and politicians. That's just not going to happen for a long time because well we know why let's not get into that but it's normalization it's like hey this industry is here now they're making billions of dollars people are in it even though it's all
1: cash and even though every single thing double digit kegger every year it's double digit growth for our industry and part of it is new markets coming online i mean you know think of the growth that uh, new york new jersey connecticut right um, Maryland and all these States that are, you know, moving to adult use are, are what, what impacts that can have. Um, right. you know, um, it, it, it is a fast growth industry, but, you know, I just had this conversation with an, a, an old friend, actually. Um, I'm just going to share a little story here about cooks important, and personal to me. Um, there's a guy in the trade show industry named Peter Nathan, and he was like the godfather of the trade show industry. He's been doing it for like 50 years. He did the first ever trade show in Libya in Cuba Um, he's a legend and he just passed away about a month ago. And he was always just, you know, kind of like a very much of a business father figure to me. Um, I just talked to his daughter last night and I was kind of, she's thinking about getting back into the event space, maybe even the cannabis event space. And I explained to her, like, there's such a lack of access to capital in the industry. And she goes, I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised. Like everybody's so excited about cannabis. It's growing all the time. Like, why is there this lack of access to capital? right? And and it really is a, a complete and abject failure of government um, that they have, you know, that we don't have access to safe banking, which creates a, a bullshit, you know, perceived risk on these businesses. It's actually a public safety issue. People get shot here in Washington, Josh, as you know, um, working a $15 an hour retail job. I mean, get the fuck out of our way, pardon my French, but, you know, uh, hopefully this is a uh, R-rated show, um, yeah, but get the fuck out of our way and, and just get safe banking across the transom. Don't attach it to 20 other, you know, social equity, um, you know, provisions expungement. Let's just get to safe banking because it is a critical, you know, it's going to save lives period. Right. Um, create some efficiency in the, in, in the, in the ecosystem, but it's going to also, you know, increase the opportunity for investor confidence and you'll see, you know, major U S exchanges moving to start, you know, um, you know, listing maybe it's the New York Stock Exchange or the Nasdaq, but they're never going to do it if there's no safe banking. Um, and we need institutional capital, we need private equity, um, we need the angel investors to see that we're just about to get there, so they start opening up their uh, you know wallets and purse strings. And um, you know, the venture funds, I, I don't know, they might have run their course in this industry because they made a lot of place bets early on. You know, very few of them have had round trips, you know, uh, for their investors. So they're very, you know, strained to be able to raise more money. If they have any money, they're saving it to, you know, support companies they've already invested in so that they don't go to zero. Um, We're seeing it all over the place. And it's just, listen, we might see a couple of MSOs, you know, fail on their debt, um, you know, default on their debt, and they're going to go down. Now, that doesn't mean that the industry is not healthy. It doesn't mean the industry is not growing. Um, it might mean that something was mismanaged or over leveraged. And when something's over leveraged and the interest rates go up and capital dries up, you get yourself in a little bit of trouble. So um, anyway, sorry for the rant. I just, oh. I, I just, I, I'm beside myself that we don't have, you know, the industry leadership or, you know, the government leadership to solve a very, very, very simple problem.
2: Yeah, I, but I, doesn't I, that also provide some opportunities? Because there's a, a report out from uh, Viridian Capital, right? So they came out and said that the capital raises dropped from $12 billion in 2021 to $4 billion in 2022. And so I'm thinking that with the lack of capital, that actually might create more opportunities for, uh, you know, just... M and A's mergers, so that you know you might have two zombies like Hexo and Tilray holding each other up, and it's just a matter of time before they they finally fall into their grave. But at <laughs> least it does provide an opportunity to maybe breathe and live another day.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it, it, like you know this type of like economic contraction. I mean, this is just how capital markets work, and 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 marketplaces work. There's going to be expansion and contraction. You know, agriculture is going to have droughts, and the price of bananas are going to go up. Um, you know, from time to time. Um, You know, this is, you know, a lot of people have been saying, like, this is like the dot-com bubble bursting in in the late 90s, and it does, it it, it will eliminate, you know, poorly managed, poorly capitalized companies, Um, companies that don't deliver value um, are going to probably really struggle. And I think that it also does create, you know, kind of a pathway and a demand for collaborative work, like you guys are doing, right? Um, You know, media is tough. Um, You know, events... (laughs) publishing, podcasting. There's a lot of media content out there and there's not a lot of advertisers. Um, So, you know, you need to be, you know, best of class and you'll survive and probably thrive. But if you're, you know, just kind of doing the same old, same old and not innovating or collaborating or partnering or finding a way that one plus one can equal 11, um, I think it's going to be a tough road. And we're probably six to 12 months before things start really turning. Man, that's actually
0: great advice believe me great insight on that now i got i got a question for you and actually josh and i worked on this one together okay and if you had to pick one of the big three conglomerate industries that are out there you've got your alcohol your pharma and your big tobacco which one do you think will end up uh either operating in the cannabis space or will it be a combination of all three what's your feeling about that
1: Well, you know, listen, I'm not on the front lines of a lot of, you know, what's happening on, on, what is it, D Street or J Street with all the lobbyists in in Washington. But, um, you know, you have to believe that, um, you know, it's in their advantage to have the industry um, strained and desperate so that when they can move into the space on a federal legalization, it's, you know, instead of paying 10 bucks for something, they're paying five. Um, you know, I think that, that pharma has got, got a pathway. I mean, um, in this space and, and, you know, my mother-in-law worked for Johnson and Johnson for decades. And so she lives out in Jersey and kind of that pharma kind of corridor out there. Um, you know, pharmaceuticals tend to want to extract the intelligence and leave the wisdom. Um, and so we find something that might be of medical benefit or value, and we want to Isolated and we want to get it into a pill form and then we want to make it so that it's not somebody else can copy it. I mean, this is medicine that is available, that we can grow in our backyard. Uh, I'm not pointing to my backyard. There are no marijuana plants in my backyard officer. All right, so um, the you know, but but and tobacco I mean, listen, they've got the technology stacks they've got the plans and I think tobacco is probably going to be a stronger force coming to this industry for the sake that I think they're the weakest um they're they're most susceptible to you know continuing uh, having challenges of of finding and addicting new customers um and the alcohol industry you know i have good friends back in my home state of wisconsin yeah you know you betcha that you know they're selling they're selling delta eight beverages all day long at their bar and they're like we're never going to get legal weed here because the tavern league is so strong and we know that that alcohol sales go down you know as soon as the legalization happens so you know it's just again it's opposing forces it's kind of like you know the the privatizing prisons again one of the probably the worst ideas ever but you know there's a lot of lobbyists that you know uh, corporate lobbyists that can influence that to privatize prisons and you know i think history will look back as that being one of the stupidest things that we've ever done not to mention how over incarcerated our country is but Without going off on too much of a rabbit hole, I, I think that alcohol is probably best positioned. I think that uh, tobacco is probably most motivated, and I think pharma is um, going to kind of take a little bit of a different path and probably try to fuck up something that nature made perfect and begin with. That That's a great quote, by the way, George. <laughs> that's a great quote, all right? You um, me on a Friday. It's been a long week. I'm just going to let it hang out today, Jimmy.
0: No, I love that. And I appreciate you. I know you've moved some things around so we could hang out and talk for a little bit because I've always enjoyed uh, our chats uh, over the last few years. You used the word uh, collaboration. And it is a word that this industry still struggles with. There is a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of bullying going on in this industry. I'm talking... Basically, in the Massachusetts area, just because these are the stories that I hear a lot of, yes, there's some MSOs involved with that, but the, my my point is, how is the industry going to survive if we get childish with our philosophies and we start to backbite and and, and bully others that are in it? for the reason that you just said, this is a medicine. You want to help people. There are a lot of people out there in this industry who just want to help people feel better.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, uh, and Josh, you've been around a long time. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of backstabbing and, and, you know, ankle biting that goes on in the industry. Um, you know, some people like MSOs are, are the devil, um, you know, they're not. Um, and, and I saw a really interesting po- post. It's like, you know, like they're saying the complaint about the MSOs having too much power or, or money. And, and like somebody co- co- quoted and said, like, what are you going to do when InBev comes in? Right. They're going to, you know, they're going to be, you know, 20, 30 X, you know, more powerful than any MSO that exists today. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it, listen, I mean, maybe we all just need to have a group therapy session and smoke some weed and talk about how we're going to get along better exactly um, you know, it, it kind of has that effect on people right like you go out and get drunk you want to fight and when you smoke a joint you want to love right um, so this is why this is why it can be so transformational for society right like i mean we're gonna reduce some of the physiological harm that alcohol causes on the body um, we can reduce some of the societal harm that violence that that stems from you know overuse or overconsumption of alcohol causes um you know deaths i mean i i'm not encouraging anybody to drive stone but you know i mean Drunk drivers are probably more impaired than a cannabis driver who might be driving a little too slow. Where the uh, you know alcohol is gonna make want to drive too fast. Still, bad idea to drink and, and under or drive under the influence of anything. I just want to make that clear. Huh. But um, you know, hopefully we can see some some reduction in damage. And and Jimmy and and Josh, I mean you. We're focused on the cannabis industry. I mean, when you look at the restorative power of hemp and the way that it could absolutely radically transform so many major industries that are the primary contributors to our you know global extinction threat called climate change, um, you know we can use hemp to restore soil that's been you know toxified. We can. Use it to, you know, it's a natural, easy growing plant that can be used for fuel. It can be used for textiles. It can be used to create bioplastics that truly biodegrade. Um, man, I, I just, I wish we could get the capital behind that and people would see, you know, maybe like an ExxonMobil after they made, you know, $62 billion in profit last quarter could invest into something around the hemp space.
2: Yeah. Hemp needs a better marketing agent like uh, ChatGPT or AI is getting right now. And it would do a lot better.
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: George, I just so appreciate, I know that Josh and I and you, we could talk for an, at least an hour, but I really, as much as I'd love to do that, I'm not sure I'm going to make it much past the next few minutes. So I'm going to wrap this up I'm going to tease what's happening over the next hour and a half on the show. Brandon Jones, our correspondent from Missouri, has a bunch of interviews that he's done this week. Missouri's market is just exploding, and he's going to take over the rest of the show. And, of course, following this show is our weekly We Talk News show. So, uh, George, best of luck at MJ Unpacked. Josh, thanks for... Being there and being my crutch today, I really (laughs) appreciate it. I know people are posing. He doesn't look sick. I'm pretty nauseous right now. That being said, uh, everybody have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, we definitely will be have a very special 421 show next week, and we'll get into that if you tune in. So uh, again, thanks for watching the really live part of the Green Rush Live. And from here on in, we're live streaming, but it is recorded content. We'll see you next time.
1: Jimmy, Josh, thank you guys so much.
2: With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride, both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth, both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.